everyone, it's Caleb, and I am so excited for you to be joining me here on the Learner's Corner podcast. Today, we have uh, a very fun episode, and not that the rest of the episodes aren't fun, but I am extremely excited to uh, to just do this episode. Um, I am bringing back, or not even really bringing it back, but more is doing another segment of the library which is where I tell you about some of the things that I've been learning from recently or just enjoying in, uh, in the broader uh, culture and just books and podcasts and music uh, and, you know, all sorts of good stuff that I've been learning from. And so today we're going to get into that uh, with some really fun stuff. Uh, and yeah, and so if this happens to be your first time listening to the Learner's Corner podcast, I do want to let you know uh, really two things that um, that kind of drive the podcast or two core beliefs to the podcast. And the first one is this, is that we want to create a safe place to have difficult conversations. And really uh, what that means is that, you know, you've probably gone throughout life and realized that you can't just talk with anyone um, about anything or, or about uh, any, any other uh, subject or any or certain subjects, I should say. Um, and so we want to create that space to where literally we can talk with anyone and we can engage in dialogue and that we don't have to agree with anyone and that we don't have to see eye to eye on everything in order to have uh, productive conversations in that. And the second one is this, is that we believe that we can learn from anyone, from everyone and from anything and from everything. And really that's kind of what this episode is about. If me just sharing some of the things and some of the people that I've been learning from. And especially on uh, this particular episode, I'm almost positive there's probably going to be something in here that you're like, why? Why are you learning from this? Why? Why? And, and uh, you know, if you saw the title, it's a little like I'm going to talk about Little Nas X's album, which came out, um, you know, uh, a couple of months ago, Montero. And um, but like I said, this is a place to where we can learn from anyone and from everyone and from anything and everyone and from everything, even if we uh, disagree with the person. However, I do want to let you know, I would love to hear from you at, uh, and you can reach out to me at learners corner, uh, podcast at gmail.com. And who knows, maybe, uh, if you, you know, you can send me any feedback that you want, or if you have something that you're really excited about, uh, and that you would love to recommend for me to check out, who knows, maybe you will find, uh, that episode or that resource, uh, on a future episode of the library, but Without any further wait, let's dive into the library and some of the things that I've been learning from recently. Okay, so Little Nas X's album, Mon Taro. Now, let me just uh, preface this. If you're not familiar with um, Little Nas X or uh, or if you haven't listened to the album, I do want to let you know that this is an explicit album. Um, and so if that uh, if that's difficult for you, I just kind of want to give you a heads up. Uh, that way you don't, um, uh, you know, listen to it uh, after, you know, you listen to this and you're like, oh, man, I really want to check out this album. I do just want to give you a heads up on that. And I do want to say that there's actually a, a lot of things that I really like about this album. And uh, I, I I even hate having to preface it by saying this, but, you know, and, and not even just in, uh, in Little Nas X's 
album, but in just a lot of music in general. I feel like I can listen to music without agreeing with everything that is in the music. And, and so I kind of want to tell you some of the things that have really stood out to me and some of the things um, that, uh, that have just been making me think. And so I knew that I wanted to talk about this album. And so I not only, uh, you know, listened to that. I've, I mean, I've listened to the album uh, many times all the way through. There's a lot of songs in there. I'll tell you some of the songs that I really like uh, towards the end of this segment. But not only that, I listened to or not listened to. I read a lot of articles uh, about Little Nas X and just trying to understand him more and where he's coming from and everything. And so I'm linking to all of those. Uh, and there, there's a, there's a couple pieces, uh, from GQ and from, uh, from the ESPN's undefeated, which whenever I saw that, I was like, wow, I, I would not expect, uh, little Nas X to show up in ESPN's, uh, the undefeated, but it did. And there it was, and I really enjoyed reading through that article. Now, let me tell you, uh, a couple of things that I really like about this, uh, about this album. I love the vulnerability in this album, and it's not even uh, it's not even just something that shows up in uh, in the album. It shows up in a lot of um, what Little Nas X says, at least in uh, you know the profiles that I read. And I, I mean, just in case uh, I don't know Little Nas X, and so you know it's it's hard to get a grasp of uh, someone completely from you know from music and from um, and from articles. But from everything that I've read and listened to, he's he is pretty vulnerable in it, and I'm always attracted to uh, m- music, but also art that is very vulnerable. I mean, if you've been listening to the podcast as well, that's one of the things that I love to ask about is what what has driven someone to create their work of art, and usually it's attached to some uh, personal story, and though that's not the case in in every in everything. But one of the things, and I and I want to show you a couple of things from lyrics and stuff that really stood out to me. But and I and I didn't discover this part until after, uh, until after I had already listened to the album a few times. Is uh, and I and I've been having trouble fight f- trying to figure out uh, what exact what song he is referring to whenever he wrote this. He wrote uh, a letter to his fourteen uh, year old self. Um, and it's either, uh, from what I can tell, it's either Montero or it's the song sun goes down. And, uh, l- let me just add a little bit of context and saying, uh, that not little Nas X just turned 22, you know, in uh, in this year in 2021. And so he's writing to his 14 year old self and he says, dear 14 year old Montero, which is uh, his name. I wrote a song with our name in it. It's about a guy I met last summer. I know we promised to never come out publicly. I know we promised to never be that type of gay person. I know we promised to die with the secret, but this will open doors for many other queer people to simply exist. You see, this is very scary for me. People will be angry. They will say I am pushing an agenda, but the truth is I am the agenda to make people stay the F the bleep out of other people's lives and stop dictating who they should be sending you love from the future. And if you listen to the album, it's so apparent that he talks about all of the struggles that he had growing up of being, uh, being closeted and not feeling like he could, uh, could tell other people that he was, that he was gay in it or or that that he was gay. And, he also has several, uh, man, just several lyrics and, um, some of the most powerful I think are, are found in sundown. 
and to where he says, I want to run away. I don't want to lie. I don't want a life. Send me a gun and I'll see the sun. And obviously he's talking about his, his thoughts of um, suicide contemplation. And then he goes on and says, you know, since 10, I've been feeling lonely, had friends, but they was picking on me. Always thinking, why my lips so big? Was I too dark? Can they sense my fears? These gay thoughts would always haunt me. I prayed God would take them away. It's hard for you when you're fighting and nobody knows it when you're silent. And I think the reason why I resonate with that or why uh, his vulnerability resonates so strongly with me is because it allows me to see his humanity. It allows me to see who he is more as a person. And I'm not naive enough to think that, you know, uh, one song or one lyric or a few lyrics uh, or one soundbite or one quote is is enough to to get the full grasp of his humanity. But we do see part of it in there. And it just really resonates with me. And I just learned this, and I learned this from from the Undefeated article, is that his song Dead Right Now uh, is about his relationship with his mom and how, at least right now, he does not have a great relationship with his mom. Um, And yeah, and he talks about that, of just the poor relationship, and he goes into all of that. And like I said, the the humanity in it, the emotion in it, the vulnerability in it uh, speaks to me and it screams to me about what just some of the things that he's gone through. And the other thing is that, um, and and this is more on, you know, a much lighter note, uh, there's also just a, a lot of defiance in him of like, you know, you know, I don't want to. Uh, to be this way, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do whatever, uh, whatever you want to do, and that that resonates with me too. Just the the defiance in it of, um, you know, kind of, you know, maybe being against the man or 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 however you want to say it, um, and I, and I think that's part of all of us. And I think that desire to be uh, to be defiant, to live your own life, is also um, in all of us. And that's one of the things that that stood out to me. And, uh, yeah, it just, it just really resonates with me. And one of, one of the, uh, quotes that was very interesting to me that stood out in, um, in a, in a New York times piece about him is that the, the, um, the writer Jasmine, she had, uh, reached out to Elton John and Elton John had said this quote is that what makes Lil Nas X so extraordinary is how brave he is at being so outwardly gay within the urban music industry. That's where he's truly groundbreaking. And I think it's the the desire or the ability to go against the grain that is uh, that is admirable. And I think that's kind of what resonates with me on, on the defiant side of things is being willing to go against the grain in that. Now, the other thing, or one, one other thing uh, that really stood out to me and then, uh, and then there's something that I do want to talk about that um, I'm not entire. I I don't uh, necessarily agree with with Little Nas X in it. But he, uh, one of the things that really stood out to me is that several times throughout um, throughout his music, throughout uh, throughout many of these profiles as well, 
he talks about his relationship with God and his relationship with the church. And in the New York Times article that uh, that Jasmine Hughes wrote, you know, uh, in it, it says, you know, it makes sense to me that a, or she says, it makes sense to me that a celebrity like Little Nas w- would have a, or like Nas would have a history with both the judgment of the church and the crueler corners of the internet. Transgressing the former to find solace in the latter. In other words, you know, being, being exper- or having experience with judgment from both the church and the internet and finding solace, not in the church, but in the latter. But in the internet, which you know, for me being a being a follower of Jesus, it just breaks my heart that that he could find community, that he could find uh, that that sense of belonging in the internet and not in the church. And then in uh, in the G in the GQ article, Jamal Jordan, you know, writes uh, that Little Nas X's father, R.L. Stafford, is a is or at least was a literal gospel center, and he grew up going to church and Bankhead a neighborhood west of downtown Atlanta. And he said, it was never super bad talking about church. It was just kind of boring for me. And by the time he reached his late teens, any lingering sense of belief had waned. He says that living deep into the internet first challenged his belief in Christianity. As he grew older, he also grew determined to live true to himself as a young gay man. And he found that Christianity, at least as it was presented to him, didn't allow him the space to do that. That was one of the main reasons why I never wanted to be gay, he says. I never, or I even thought, if I, has, if I have these feelings, it's just a test, a temporary test. It's going to go away. God is just tempting me. And after reading those, you know, for the first time, it, it's not stuff I don't like to hear that stuff about the church. And the reason is because that's not the church that I want to be a part of, not one that's that's boring and that that doesn't have a place or doesn't have a space for someone like Little Nas X in it. And and it just has got me thinking and and you know, I've I've been thinking about this a lot recently about what the church uh, is is meant to be and what it looks like. And I think at the, at the same time, uh, I've, I've kind of come up with this is that I think the church is meant to be caring for all, for all people, no matter who they are, no matter what they do, no matter whether they're a follower of Jesus or they, uh, or they, they don't agree with him or they don't follow him at all. But I think it is also meant to be challenging as well, in that it's not meant to, um, you know, especially especially for followers of Jesus, because you know, as as the uh, you know as the Apostle Paul says, for those who are outside of the church, for those who um, who aren't followers of Jesus, what business is it is us followers of Jesus to judge people who aren't followers of Jesus? But I think it is meant to be challenging as well, and to to challenge our perspectives, our mindsets, our, our beliefs on that. And I think it's made me uh, just realize also that the best relationships are both caring and challenging. And I think that kind of leads me to my, um, you know, my, my, the big, the, the big disagreement that I have with, uh, with little Nas X in it. And, you know, he, he saw this, 
uh, or he had this quote that I saw, and it's in uh, the G- GQ article. And, you know, he says, at first I felt a sense of responsibility, but now I just kind of don't care. It's not my job. Of course, I want to spread good ideals, but I'm not, but I'm not nobody's parent. At the end of the day, I'm just doing me and hoping everybody else is following the lead and doing themselves. And I think that's the part that I would disagree with is that I think the best relationships, the people who love us most in our life, don't allow us to just do ourselves. And I, and he, he may be talking about something different than what I'm talking about, and that's okay. But that's just what got my mind in it is that they don't allow us to just do our own thing. They allow us too much to do our own thing. And so that's one of the things that I was thinking about. Um, I'll give you a couple of standout tracks for me on the album. Uh, Montero, uh, Dead Right Now, Industry Baby, Lost in the Citadel, um, Sun Goes Down, and Don't Want It as well. And I'm going to link to the whole album in the show notes and all of the articles that I pulled from. Is this, and I, like just with every single episode, if you have a different perspective or you would or you think, hey, Caleb, I, you should be thinking about this or you got it wrong and this, hey, I would love to hear from you. Uh, and again, Learner's Corner Podcast at gmail.com. Okay, so next on my list is Andy Minio's new album, Neverland 2. Getting a lot of music today. In fact, that's mainly what we're talking about uh, today is music. And uh, I followed Andy for a long time. I mean, I've been, it's, it's hard to believe this, uh, but I've been, I mean, I, I remember whenever he dropped his first, uh, I, I think it would have been his EP actually that came first. I remember him dropping the original Neverland with you can't stop me and, and, uh, and the title track Neverland on there and just going like, man, this dude is legit. I, I love his music. I'm a constantly looking or awaiting his new release. And it had been a while since he had released some new music. Uh, and then it got delayed for a couple of weeks for Neverland 2. And so I was eagerly anticipating it and was so excited whenever uh, whenever the album came out. And, you know, he was dropping a couple of singles beforehand. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll get into that uh, in a little bit later. But I, I want to talk about uh, the concept about the album which I think kind of informs it. And this is, this is, I will say, is an album that is, it's really good if you just listen to the tracks on on their own, you know, just uh, the individual singles. However, this album is greatly enhanced and you get a completely different, and I would, I would even argue a better experience um, listening to it from beginning all the way through the end because he has a lot of uh, tracks that are, uh, that are kind of commentary tracks from from his mom who who passed away in the last few years uh, that act as transitions and kind of give a little bit of story behind the music in it as well. So let me let me tell you a little bit about the album, which uh, or kind of the background on the album. And so Andy uh, did an interview on Apple Music, and he was talking about the, the title of the album Neverland Two, and so he says. So Neverland One was an album that I came out with a little earlier in my career and that had like my first song that ever went gold was on there. And I was kind of like a, a milestone for me. And Neverland is about growing up. My favorite was about, and he says, growing up, my favorite movie was Hook. You know, Peter Pan and Neverland is the place where you go to where you never grow up. But it also has this like, there's this youthfulness. 
this never losing that childlike desire for a lust of life and things are big and that wonder and you're not cynical, you know? So there's that childlike aspect, but then at the same time, they had no guidance. Any of these kids and they're trying to figure out who their king is. So I've always related to that. So Neverland 2 is like, all right, let's return back to this as I've been thinking about having a kid and also wanting to, as a man, I'm getting a little bit older where you start seeing death, you start seeing divorce, you start seeing people that you grew up with living their life a whole different way. I think a lot of heartbreak, betrayal, things like that happen. The loss of my mother, I just had to bury my mother. Life can really beat you up and it can take away some of that childlike hope and vulnerability and that innocence. So this is a return to that. Like, yo, let's let's try not to lose that as life continues to beat us up. And he ends the quote there, which I think is so powerful um, because that is true. And that is, that is the case. Life in itself is hard and it's difficult. And it does, it does, as you said, it does beat you up from time to time. And it's hard to regain that wonder. It's hard to regain that, that childlike awe. And, and, you know, I've mentioned before, um, you know, I think me, you know, I've gotten into comics a lot recently, uh, in the, in the past year, year and a half. And that has helped me re-engage and that fiction helps me re-engage in that to such, to such a great degree, it opens up my mind and my possibility and, uh, and my thinking and my imagination and just pure enjoyment as well too. And so he opens up and, uh, one, one of the thing that I want to read, uh, from this is uh is he has this quote talking about the opening kind of the opening two tracks because there's the there's the setup track and then there's the opening track of uh am i falling and so he says am i falling so the main lyrics for that are am i falling from the sky or falling in your hand is it a disguise or is it in your plan can you tell me why when i don't understand am i at the end or did i just begin like am i falling and so it's a question that a lot of times in life when you feel like, damn, I'm falling or like I'm messing up or I'm, or I'm tripping, a lot of times you look back at those moments in your life and you realize they weren't the end of something. They were the beginning of something new. I'm realizing a lot of, the, a lot of these trials and heartbreak and some of the things I've experienced are teaching me things. A lot of times I want to get out of those situations, but I'm realizing God is trying to let me get things out of them. So it's kind of this question. Am I falling or am I falling up? And he ends the quote there. And I, f- I mean, I feel like that. I mean, you go, okay. So that it makes me think of us, uh, you know, coming out of COVID or at least transition into a new time. It feels like here in America and just wondering, okay, am I falling or am I falling up? And that's not just something that happens in COVID because, you know, you have, the, the societal implication of that. But then you just have like, if you're like me, COVID changed a lot of things in your life personally as well. It may, maybe it made you realize things and that in itself is an experience as well. And, uh, and it just makes you think about a lot of different things and it makes you change, um, and reevaluate and, and just try to think through what's important as you're going through this time of transition. And uh, I want to read a couple of quotes from this uh, article that he did uh, with Tyler Huckabee, 
or this interview that he did with Tyler Huckabee on Relevant that really stood out to me, you know, in the article. And he says, one of the calling cards in my music has always been vulnerability and honesty. I'm always processing what I'm really going through, what's happened in my life, and that's been a real part of my journey. I'm trying to figure out what faith looks like post the megachurch, white evangelical mega boom, that there's a different way to follow Jesus. And another quote, he says, I don't want to just dissolve into nothingness and cynicism. I'm trying to find something I'm deconstructing for a purpose to come out with something true, not just be like, F it all. And another quote, he says, I think that that's good. I've been there for the last few years. I just don't want to the cynicism that comes with that process. I want to reimagine life and faith and what I'm doing here. End of quote. And it just makes me think of, or going back to what he said of recapturing that wonder, that childlike awe that he talks about. And just thinking about what allows me to do that and what allows us to do that as well. Because life beats us up. And if we aren't intentional about recapturing that wonder, it's going to erase itself um, from our lives. Now, one other thing that I uh, want to mention that really stood out to me from this this album is this back-to-back track. And then I'm going to give you a couple of uh, standout tracks from this album as well, is uh, is the commentary track, New Father, followed by Nobody's Coming. And a new father, his mom, uh, Andy's mom, Fran, says this, that he talked about Andy was about four years old, and we were separated from his dad. And he, w- and he, he was a, a chubby little kid, you know. He knelt down next to the bed, and he says, Mom, I know what we can pray for. I said, what would you like to pray for? And he said, a new father. He was so excited. And he just put his little head down and he prayed just a simple little prayer and he asked God for a new father. He got up and he just smiled at me. And she says, I looked up to heaven and I said, Lord, what are you going to do with that prayer? And then comes in the track, Nobody's Coming, to where Andy sings, I've been waiting for the day when my father come around, waiting for that moment when we would paint the town. But then it hit me last night, nobody's coming. I've been waiting for that moment when my heart heals, waiting for someone to take the pain away that I feel. Then it hit me all last night. Nobody's coming. You know, Andy talks about, not just in this song, but in so many other tracks uh, throughout his music career, uh, family photo is the one that really stands out to me, about his relationship with his dad. And the thing that it made me think about is, uh, you know, there's, and 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 also, uh, you know, going back to Little Nas X's, is that there's such vulnerability in this song, and my mind went to, is there room for this type of art in the church? Is there room for this type of music in the church? And I hate to say it, but in most, I shouldn't say in most, but I will say it's not the case that there is room for art, for this type of art in every church. And I think for me, I just think, man, I think church should be the place to where we could talk about the realness of life, about these things to where life is hard. And in Andy's case, to where, you know, his dad uh, is absent and his dad isn't there for him. And talking about the pain and the loneliness that comes with that. 
Now, let me give you some standout tracks. Now, as I mentioned, uh, Am I Fallen? Great. Nobody's Coming? Great. You Know the Drill featuring Words Played, which if you haven't listened to Magic and Bird by Andy and Words Played, that's a great listen as well. Uh, working on it with uh, featuring Chandler Moore uh, from, um, oh man, I'm blanking on the name. I think it's, uh, it's from, I'll just say, from another Christian group. I can't, I can't remember, but they're a worship group as well. And it could be worse as well. Great song. Now, let me give you one other thing that I've been learning from. You know, we've had a couple of albums in here. Let me give you a book that I've been reading recently. So the book that I've been reading recently that has uh, very much shaped my thinking is called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And the subtitle is Moving from Shallow Christianity to Deep Transformation. It's by uh, Pete Scazzaro. And I've been going through it with a buddy of mine named Wes. And uh, every week we, uh, you know, we'll talk about a different chapter of it. And we've, we've recently just come to the end of the book. And uh, I want to tell you about one of the thing, one of the concepts in there that has really been uh, shaping me. And there's, there's a lot in here, but there's just not enough time to talk about it all. So I just want to talk about one in particular. And uh, if it's still piquing my interest, we'll come back to it at another time. And I'll tell you some other things that have stood out to me, but, uh, as well, let me tell you a little bit about the premise of the book is that, you know, Pete talks about how, um, a lot of our traditional discipleship models are, are, are for, or our spiritual formation models, um, lead to shallow transform or lead to not shallow transformation, just a shallowness in people. And, uh, and so he offers a different approach to creating more deep and lasting transformation in people. And so he talks about, uh, a lot of different areas, uh, a couple of things, and I won't go through uh, them all, but I'll tell you, but he talks about, you know, how uh, a mark of healthy discipleship is leading out of weakness and vulnerability, breaking the power of your past, um, following the crucified, not the Americanized Jesus, and a lot of other ones as well. But the one that I specifically want to talk about, because I feel like I've been working it out in my life a lot recently, is this of embracing God's gift of limits. And it's, it's really tough to accept that, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, we live in a world that, um, that, that is so counter to the message to where, you you know, you could be anything that you want to be. You could do anything that you want to do and all of these different things kind of, and we kind of live in a world that wants us to live as though we're limitless in it. And the other tough thing is that there's a lot of Christianity that says that as well, is that we can live life as though we're limitless. And I think that's one of the things that has stuck to me from this. And he has this quote in there to where he writes, a core mark of emotionally healthy discipleship is a deep theological and practical understanding of limits. Without that, we severely compromise our ability to love God ourselves and others over the long haul. And he talks about how Jesus embraced limits. And here's just a couple of ones that he writes about. Jesus only did ministry for three years. He could have done it for a lot longer and yet he didn't. Jesus did not heal every person. He could have done that. He didn't. He only chose 12 people to be his disciples 
He did not let some people follow him who wanted to follow him. And yet he told them, no, he did not go in person to meet the needs of everyone in Europe, Africa, Asia, or the Americas. And yet at the end, he said, I have finished the work you talking about the father talking about God gave me to do. And so in it, there's a lot of things that he talks about in limits, but he talks about two kinds of limits. He talks about limits to receive and limits to breakthrough and limits to perceive. And he asks this question, what limits do I need to receive and submit to joyfully as God's invitation to trust him? Knowing that we can't do everything, that we can't accomplish everything, that there are some limits to our physical being. We can't be in every single place. We have a limited amount of time. We can't be with everyone. And some of it is limited by our season of life. You know, if you have, if, if you do have kids, there's things that you can do while having kids that single people can't do or that people without kids can't do and, and vice versa. There's things that single people can do and that's good for them that, uh, that maybe if you're in a committed relationship, you are not, uh, well, I guess you could, but you know, you know what I'm saying. And then also in uh, physical capacity, emotional capacity, we have limits in that. Our personalities as well, we can have limits in that. And so he talks about that, of being willing to embrace your limits and trusting God that what you, can, that what you can't do, he will take care of and trusting him with that. And, and not, in the, not in the prosperity gospel sense of way, but just realizing that there is a limit to what you can do. And part of that is also like one of the things that he talks about in there is like recognizing the Sabbath in there. And I know that that that's been uh, something for me that I've had to, um, that I've had to recognize is that I, I need breaks. I need time to where I rest and I recuperate and everything through that. And the other limit that he talks about is limits to breakthrough. And he asks uh, these two questions, which limits are God asking me to break through by faith for the sake of his name in the world? And what limits of immaturity that God is asking me to break through in my personal life? And I think for me, what, what, uh, what has been happening recently, or one of the things that I've had to break through is my need of the approval of other people. And realizing that that is such a strong factor in my life, that I want people to like me. I don't want people to be upset by me. And that isn't necessarily a bad thing. But if it becomes the the core driver in your life, if it becomes something that is a driving force in your life, it can be harmful because you end up prioritizing the opinions of strangers over the people who, who matter most to you. And, you know, as I've talked about several times uh, throughout the podcast, I'm trying to figure out the life that I want and, and the life, um, yeah, just trying to figure out my life and what I want for and, and, and all of that and figuring out who matters most to you and learning to not give everyone equal weight in your life is part of that process. And so that's part of the things that I've been, that's a part of the thing that I've been discovering through this book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. 
And so those are kind of the big things that I've been uh, talking about or that I've been learning from recently. Uh, one other quote that I wanted to share with you that has recently stood out to me is from Chuck DeGroat. And he wrote on Twitter, sometimes the simplest and yet most profound longing folks bring to therapy is for one safe place to be really seen amidst all the judgments they have for others and themselves, simply to be held in that space and maybe even to believe God can meet their unfiltered self. And so, as I've mentioned earlier, I would love to hear from you on anything that really stood out to you from this podcast. If you end up listening to the albums or checking out the book or anything that I've recommended before, uh, I would love to hear from you. And the best way to reach out to me is learnerscornerpodcast at gmail. Dot com. If you have uh, some things that you disagree with, I would love to hear from you as well. And we could talk about that more. Um, or if you have some recommendations for me, I would love uh, to hear those as well. And so I do want to give a couple of quick shout outs and say thanks to Sam Massey for, for providing the music for this podcast. Thanks to Garrett Oler for doing the editing on the podcast. And thank you uh, for listening to the Learner's Corner And I think that's all that I have for today. And so until next time, keep learning and keep growing.